Let's get in our Bibles. We're back in that back to basics moment. How many of y'all liked the last three weeks? You've enjoyed it? You've been challenged? Have you grown a little bit? Good. Amen. If your neighbor's not talking this morning, nudge them. Say, Pastor, going to keep talking until you talk. Amen. But listen, we, we have been in this series called Back to Basics for the last three weeks. Why? Because I believe with all of my heart that we are so busy trying to find new word that we've overlooked the old word that we've already heard. We've gotten really good at the church of, at, at claiming scriptures that we have no idea the true understanding as to what's in and what's wrapped in those words. I believe that every word in the Bible has power. I believe that when God put an and in the Bible, that meant something. It wasn't just to keep you reading or a pause. It was something powerful. I believe that every letter in the book brings power to us as believers. And so over these last three weeks, I have been sitting in a space where I'm taking scriptures that we've heard, that we've probably read a, over a hundred times. If we've, even if we haven't been in church, we've heard them somewhere. And, and, and trying to expound upon them, trying to open them up so that you might f- grab a full grasp of what that scripture is all about. And so this morning I want to take us to another one. This is one I'm sure you've heard. Uh, it doesn't matter where you've been, you've heard this one. And that's Psalms 23. The book of Psalm 23, if you would turn there in your Bibles this morning. Don't wait for it to come on the screen. Grab your word. Amen. Psalm 23, we're going to be reading in verse 1 through 6. This is where we're going to sit all morning long. Going to make it real easy on you. Amen. No Bible drills in the house this morning. Amen. Psalm 23, chapter 1. If you got it, say, I got it. it. Say, if you're waiting on pastor, say, I'm waiting on pastor. Yeah, I know. Amen. I knew somebody was in the room. Amen. Praise the Lord. Psalm 23, chapter 1, it says this. You ready? You ready? Come on. Are you ready? Come on. I'm ready, and I'm preaching it. Psalm 23, verse 1 says this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear. Hello. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Verse 6, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Y'all ready to break this thing down? Good. Go back to verse 1. And I know I'm throwing curveballs at y'all right now in the sound booth. They're all freaking out back there because I did not update the screens for them this morning. So they're like, Pastor, what are you doing? You're doing a great job. Amen. Go back into verse 1. You ready? It says, The Lord is what? Not my sugar daddy. Amen. The Lord is my what? Not my go-to when I feel like complaining. The Lord is what? What does a shepherd do? It tends. It attends to. It doesn't enable. It brings correction. It brings healing. It brings protection. It brings the things that are necessary, not the things that you want. And I have to say this because I think so many times we as believers, we think that God was created so he could give us what we want. God says, no, I'll provide what you need because what you need will sustain you through life. That's what a good shepherd does. A good shepherd has no intention of losing any sheep. A good shepherd has no intention of allowing his sheep to be eaten by wolves. A good shepherd has no intentions of losing or watching them get sick. And when they do get sick, he tends to them. But he doesn't just tend to the one that's sick. He tends to the whole flock at the same time because when one gets sick, he now has to figure out if it's going to spread to the other sheep. And so he will move all of the sheep to a place where they can find rest. What, what is the God that you serve? Well, 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 you know, God's the guy I go to when I don't know what else to do. Can I just be honest with you? This is how we treat God. We come to God when we don't know what to do rather than go to God even when we do know what to do. We only interject him into a moment when we can't figure it out on our own. And it says here in the scripture, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. And I'm going to paraphrase for just a second. In him, I shall not want. Watch, 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 watch. Because so many times we read, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We, we look, we get right over that scripture. We skip that whole first verse. Why? Because it doesn't, in the, in the, in the space of our existence, it doesn't mean much to us. We, okay, we know that God is our shepherd. We know he's the chief shepherd. We know all these things. And, and in him I shall not want. 
Okay, great. Well, let me get to the good part. This part is the best part. The Lord is my shepherd. Oh, that right there, I could rest. I could breathe easy. And then in him, I don't want for anything. Because he shall supply all my needs according to what? His riches in glory. So if it says there that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, then I need to understand that if I'm a good sheep, if I'm a sheep of his fold, if I'm a, I'm a sheep and he is my shepherd, then when I walk into the room and start complaining about the things that I don't have, it's because I've walked away from the shepherd. If I am walking away from the shepherd, I am getting my eyes caught up on things and what other people have rather than what the goodness of God has already brought into my life. I need for nothing. I want for nothing. Why? Because I follow the shepherd and I am a sheep and I like being in his fold. But when I start to want for other things, then God says, time out. If you're starting to want for other things, then I'm not good enough to be your shepherd. Because if I was your shepherd, you would understand that in me you have everything. When the shepherd is God, I don't want for anything. How many times have we allowed other things, other stuff to lead us, to become our shepherd? Because sheep follow a shepherd because they understand that the shepherd is there for them. But we get led by other things. We get led by desires. We get led by political agendas. We get led by color. Can I just say it? We get led by money. We get led by stuff. Baby, you can't take what you want with you. Why are you so bent on being, keeping up with the Joneses? The Joneses are going to die. They're not going to live forever. Neither are you. Enjoy life, but doggone it, don't serve. Don't serve something other than the great shepherd. Because when you are with the shepherd, you don't want for everything else. You find out that you have everything that you need. Come to me all the time, oh, pastor, I love God with all my heart, but man, I wish he'd do blah, 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 blah. Is he not good enough? And I say this all the time. What if God never did another thing for you? Is he still good enough? Because most believers today serve God until the next gift or for the next gift. But God is good. That old statement all the time. <laughs> And all the time, God is good. Wait, that used to be okay for us to say that. We used to be okay with throwing that statement out. Now it's like, God's good. Well, you know, he was yesterday. But today I haven't seen him yet. Hey, just take a deep breath. You'll find out the goodness of God. Yeah, it's like this. To somebody who's gone through a moment that could have killed him, to somebody who hasn't gone through a moment that could have killed him, life is completely different. To somebody who's been homeless and lived out of a car, to somebody who's always had a home and had a place to lay their head, life can be completely different. But that's the goodness of God. And let me just say this to you for a second. Even when I was homeless, sleeping in my truck, I still had a good shepherd. But pastor, if the shepherd loved you, he'd have never let you be homeless. No, no, no. He allowed me to walk through that moment so he could continue to increase me so that I could be prepared for this moment, so I could stand in this moment, so I could stand before you and declare the goodness of God. Without needing stuff. That he is good enough. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It goes on in verse 2. It says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Pastor, what in the world does that mean? He makes me. What does he bring me to a field and shove me into the ground and go lay here? No, he brings me to a place. A place of nourishment. Mm. Uh, I'm going to try to be very careful as to not... Uh, go too deep or to go too far to uh, create a fence in the house. But can I just believe, just say this truthfully to you? There are a bunch of non-nourished believers in the church today. We are nourished by what we hear, not who we know. We are nourished by the emotional moments of a Sunday experience rather than the God we serve and the Bible that we read. We are not nourished by prayers. We're nourished by hearing prayers. We're not nourished by the assembling of the gathering of the brethren in one accord in the house of God. Whereas we're nourished by watching it on TV in the comforts of our robe and our coffee cup because we were too lazy to get up and go. Amen. I know it gets tight. Just take a deep breath. I'm going to get nice in a minute. 
But I have to say this to you because there are things in the word that we have known, that we have read, that we have preached on, but we have walked away from it. And we wonder why the church is so malnourished today. We wonder why there are multiple movements within the body of Christ today. We wonder why people can't make up whether they're saved by grace or saved by faith. They can't figure out what, what's right, what's wrong. How's the best way to do it? Here's the truth of it. Serve the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself and that you will walk in the best commandment, the greatest commandment that God ever gave. It is not as hard as we make it. But God says, I will bring you, if you allow me to be your shepherd in your life, I will bring you to a place of nourishment. You wouldn't need a pastor. I would just be the icing on the cake of your existence. I would just add to what you already had. Can I just say this to you? I should never be what you have. My preaching, what I deliver to you on a Sunday morning should not be the meat of your existence. Baby, you should have been feeding all week long. Because all I'm doing is feeding you my nourishment. What I believe God wanted me to speak corporately to this house. But you should be feeding all week long. Do you understand what God wants to feed you all week long? But how many times do we walk into the church on a Sunday morning going, Oh God, oh God, if I could, if I could just get a word. I could just, and I get it. We have moments. We have times in our lives that we go through seasons like that. But it is not a place that we live and dwell. It's a moment. It's just a moment. It's, it should be a fleeting moment. But for some reason, now in the church, we, we, we created this space where the pastor is the head, not God. Please let me help you and understand, I will never be that guy. And if you want me to be, I won't be. Pastor, can you pray for me? Did you pray with God yet? Pastor, I need a word. Did you go seek the face of God yet? Well, well no. Well, then, well, who am I? Do you understand what my job is? I am a butler. I'm a door opener. Here he is. Welcome home. Here he is. Welcome home. Glad you're here. Welcome home. He's right in there. I can't wait for you to meet him. He's been waiting on you. That's my job. My job is not to be like, hey, come with me. Come to my house. Come sit at my table. Come hang out with me. My job is to get you to the Father. And he says, if you come, if you allow him to be your shepherd, he's going to bring you to a place of nourishment. Do you understand that the word, oh, here it comes. Revelation, while you preach, is always fun. Anybody in here struggle reading your Bible? Some of y'all are not going to raise your hand because you're like, no, that's sacrilegious. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying God's going to be mad at me. Yeah, okay. Have you ever struggled reading your Bible? Good. You want to know why? Because most of us read it as a snack, not as a meal. And you cannot live on snacks. Trust me, I got four kids that try to live on snacks. Isn't that right, son? Amen. 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 All the youth over here said, praise the Lord. I, I got kids who live on snacks, and they're always complaining that they're hungry. Can I tell you something? Maybe we would be fed properly if we treated his word as a meal rather than a snack. A snack tides us over as if there's something greater, but there is nothing greater than this word. And he says, if you come and let me be your shepherd, baby, I'm going to nourish you through my word. Listen, the Bible says in Ezekiel that, that, that he, read, he opened up the book, and the Bible says that God spoke to him, and he said, he said eat, eat of this scroll, eat this word. Why? Because there's way more value in eating it than just looking at it. You got to eat it. You got to let him nourish you. And then he says, he goes, he goes, I'll, lie, I'll bring you and make you lie down by green pastures. And he says, he leads me beside still waters. Oh, my Lord, what does that mean? Uh, that means he's going to give you peace and rest. Hmm. Some of y'all haven't had peace in a long time. Some of y'all wouldn't know what a good night's sleep was if it slapped you in the face. I got kids with daddy, daddy, daddy. Father, just touch them, let them go. But the truth is, is he says, if you let me be your shepherd, I'll find you. I'll give you rest even when you can't find rest. Because I'll lead you beside still waters. In other words, I'll speak to the turmoil in your existence and speak peace to it. But you've been trying to speak peace to your own existence and wondering why it's not changing. Because you don't have the power to speak to what God can command. You've got to be his sheep and let him be your shepherd. See, Jesus didn't say, hey, guys, get up and speak to the water. He says, if you'd have realized who was in the boat, you'd have realized we're not going to die in this. So he was still the commander in chief in this moment. He was still the great shepherd. He was still the lead in this moment. Why is it that we have a tendency to complain about lack of peace but not consult the one who created peace? Mm, okay. When I say consult, I don't mean complain. See, 
Truly allowing God to bring peace in your life is you taking your hands off of it and allowing him to have control over it. But what we have a tendency to do, God, I need you in this, but I'm going to hold on. Because I need to hold on, because at least as long as I hold on, I know we're going to make it. No, God says, close your eyes, lay down in the back, and trust that we'll get to the final destination together. And find your rest. There is, can I say this to you? There is nothing you can do. Pastor, don't say that. There's nothing you can do. So stop stressing over it. I can't change anything. I got to let God lead. I got to let him in control. Pastor, that's using God as a crutch and that's making you lazy. No, it's not. Because I understand that with God, I can do all things. But in Brian, (laughs) there's a struggle. With God, I can do all things, all things, all things. But without him, I'm doing nothing. I'm just spinning in circles, hoping that one day it'll change. He says, he'll lead me beside still waters. How many of you need peace and rest? Then let God lead you. Stop leading yourself. Stop telling God how you're going to do it because you're not going to do it. Because if you were going to do it, you'd have done it five years ago. But you just keep living in that circle, telling God what you're going to do this year. It's like a New Year's resolution. I'm going to start all over again. God's going, you're not going to do it because it's not in you to do it. It's in me. So let me be me and you be you. It's like the other day, where was I at? Um, it was somewhere and, and, and they were doing something. And where was it? It was, it was something on my car or something. And no, it wasn't my car. Wherever it was. It was some store or whatever. And they were, telling, they were telling me about what they do and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, that's why I let you do what you do and I'll stick to what I do. I don't need to do what you do. Why, why is it? Uh, my car's broke. I'm going to become a mechanic today. No, dummy. I'm going to take my car to a mechanic who knows what they're doing because I'm going to break the car. It's like the time I went to put an alternator in. Now, that's not a hard job. I handled that one, right? But my wife comes out because my father-in-law is a master mechanic and goes, do we need to call dad? No, we don't need to call Dad. I got this one. But I'm not taking the engine apart, Jack, because that car will never run again. <laughs> Men, work with me for a second. It's like building a bike for your kid during Christmas. I don't need instructions till your kid gets on the bike. <laughs> why, are the ste- why is the thing doing this, but the wheel's staying like this, but the handlebars are, something's wrong, Dad? No, it's not. It wasn't me. Yeah, it was you. You tried to do something wasn't in you to do. That's why they give you instructions. Hello. God says, listen, if if you let me be your shepherd, I'm going to lead you to peaceful places. I'm going to bring you nourishment through my word. And then he goes on, he says, and then I'm going to restore your soul. Do you know before you got saved, your soul was in chaos? And he says, the moment you let me lead you, I'll bring restoration to the broken places in your existence. I will bring you to a place of refreshment and renewal. Oh, Lord, help me. When I let him be my shepherd, I'm refreshed. Pastor, come on. Is it really that good all the time? No, it's not that good all the time. But I know when it's not good, I go back. And I get back in that space. And I'm like, you know what? I wandered off just a little bit. But I'm back on track. I'm not perfect. I don't do it great all the time. But baby, I know when things start to miss in my life, it's because I'm not letting him be the shepherd. I'm actually taking over his job. And here's the great thing about God. God will not fight you to be, his, to be your shepherd. He won't. He will allow you to do whatever you want to do because you are allowed free will. And he will back off of your life. But when you, insta- when you come in and you step into that place where you grab a hold of him, he will always show up. He says, I'll... He says, I'll lead you. He says, I'll make you lay down in green pastures. I'll lead you beside still waters. I'll restore your soul. And then he says, then he leads me in the path of righteousness. Now stop right there. Sin is a byproduct of a lack of leadership. Watch this. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my great shepherd. The Lord is the lead of my life. I shall not want. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. If you want to know what righteousness is, it is doing the right thing according to the word. Not according to your opinions or to the three scriptures that you want to grab and sandwich together to make a scripture sandwich. Because it fits where you are. But he says, I will lead you where you will have the ability to stay consistent and walking in righteousness. I know this is not a term that we use in the church much today. Holiness and righteousness is not a term that the church throws out a lot today. 
It's usually just grace and fun and joy and woo. The problem is, is that obedience is a prerequisite. And so many times we don't want to live according to the righteousness of the word. We want to live to what's according to the righteousness of our own wants. The right thing for me rather than the right thing from God. And God says, if you allow me to lead you, I'll, I'll help you to walk in righteousness. Sin is not a problem for those who have a shepherd. Okay, okay, watch. In, in every sheepfold, as I've studied this out, in every sheepfold you get a couple, one or two, that are what I like to call cliff divers. They're the ones that like to go to the edge and look over their shoulder to see if the shepherd's coming because they want attention. They're the ones that like to get into the bad stuff. They get caught in the thicket. They get caught in the moments. They get, they, they, they're just what, you would, what we would probably label as like black sheep, right? They're, they're not black sheep, but, they're, but that, that's kind of what they do. And, and, and there's a space that, that we have a tendency to live with God is, is that we, we want to play on the fringe of existence. But the reason that we play on the fringe of existence is because somewhere along the line, we wandered away from the comfort of sitting next to the shepherd. Any time in my life that I've ever battled sin, I can tell you that the shepherd was not within a viewpoint. I had wandered to a place where I could no longer see him. Therefore, the only thing that I could see was that the stuff that was in front of me that I felt like I needed to do. And when I came back to God, God didn't look at me and go, Brian, you're a failure. He said, Brian, look, if you stay with me, you're not going to fall into this stuff. But when you keep walking away, I can't, I, 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 you're choosing to leave the viewpoint of me. And if you keep your eyes on me, those whose mind is stayed upon him shall be in perfect peace. I'm trying to help you a second. So many times we, we forget that, uh, that these are your eye gates and that what you view is what you take in. And if you lose sight of the shepherd, you might make something else your shepherd. And so then we fall out of righteousness, and then we fall into condemnation. Come on, work with me for a second, because the moment you sin, then condemnation comes in, and now you don't feel like you have access anymore, and you feel like God's mad at you, and you feel like he's turned his back on you, when really God's standing over there going, I'm still in the same field where I left you. I just need you to come back. That's the great thing about God, is he doesn't go and play hide-and-seek with you. He doesn't go, they walked away, I'm going to hide behind this rock and see if they can find me. He stands in the same place that you walked away from with his arms stretched out wide open going, I'm waiting for you to come home. I'm not leaving you. I'm not forsaking you. I'm not quitting on you, but I can't make you stay. But if you stay with me, I'll help you. I'll walk with you. I'll create a righteous spirit on the inside of you where you do not try to play sin and a savior at the same time. And watch what he says. He says, he leads me in the path of righteousness for what? For whose sake? Not for you. All of this is not done for you. It's done for him. For his sake, for his namesake, for his glory. Did you under, do you understand that God, in his infinite wisdom, and in his infinite power, created you for his glory? You are the centerpiece of his mantle. You are the trophy. You're the best trophy in his trophy room. Now, don't go to somebody else and go, hey, pastor said I'm his best trophy. You're not. Ha, ha. What I'm saying to you is, is that God does all of this because he wants you to be your very best because that's how he sees you. God does not wake up in the morning angry with you. He wakes up in the morning with a heart for you to see you at your best. He is a father. And he says, I do all of this for my namesake. Listen, Judah is a dean. And I'm going to give you my terminology on last names. You ready for this one? If last names do not determine who you are, if last names determine who you are, then Jesus would have had one. Last names don't determine you. First names do. Okay. So my last name carries no weight with my son. And I could rewind the clock a little bit and let you see why. I could rewind the clock to when I was a Walden before I was a dean. Most of y'all don't even know that. That my name was changed when I was six. I was born into this world, Brian Walden. My name was changed to Brian Dean when my mom remarried when I was six years old. There is no last name that creates life for him. So the last name that, I'm, that I carry or he carries doesn't create who he is. You know what it does? The impartation of the life that I live in front of him allows him to see that if dad can do it, I can do it. This is the life that we live. This is how we should live our existence, not trying to create a legacy by a last name. Oh, you're carrying my last name. I better have a boy so he can carry the last name. Baby, you can have girls and they can still carry legacy. Yeah. 
The truth of it is at the end of the day, everything is for his glory's sake. I don't want Judah to go around saying, my dad was the greatest. You know what I want him to grow up saying? My dad served the greatest. My dad ran after the greatest. My dad pursued the greatest. And I watched my daddy go through some stuff, but he never quit loving God, quit serving God, quit worshiping God. And because he never did, I'm going to do the same thing. And here's the part for me. All of this is not for his sake, but for his sake. So that he might become the next trophy on the mantelpiece. Y'all trying to see, see where I'm going here now. This is what he's doing. So everything you've gone through, every place you've been, what God's done in your life is so that you can get to that place where he goes, yeah, that was for my namesake. I did that so that God could be glorified in the earth through that vessel. You think you're just a body living a life trying to get, get up in this world. No, God says, I purposed you. I put my mark on you. I've put my power, my presence, my peace, my joy in you. And now all you got to do is go live. But remember that everything you do is for my sake. For my glory, you were created for his glory. Go on to verse 4. This is when it gets fun. You ready? I'm going to take the glasses off now because now we're going to have fun. All that to get you to this point. I love this part. You ready? Yeah. Yea, though I walk. Stop. In fact, take that screen off for a second. Don't let them read any further, although they're reading right now. Change. There we go. Okay. <laughs> I want to read the rest. Nope. Yea, though I walk. When I read this, it leaped off the page at me. It jumped off the page at me. Why? Because we have been standing still for too long. If you are a sheep and he is your shepherd, the shepherd doesn't stay forever. He moves. His whole job is to bring sheep from one piece, one place to the next. But what happens is we plant our feet and we get mad because we don't want to move. I'm not moving. This is my thing. Baby, there ain't nothing in this world that belongs to you. It all belongs to God. He says, yea, though I walk. How many of y'all want to get somewhere in God? You want to grow in God? You want to see God do his greatest work in you? Then please quit standing still. Walk. Yea, though I walk. He said all these things, all these great things. He put me in a pasture. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He, he does it for his glory's sake. And then he says, yea, though I walk. And here's what David says, and this is what blows my mind, is that he says, I now have to move from that place. Stop living in what happened last year so you, don't, so you end up missing what God wants to do in you this year. Well, I'm just going to hang out in this place. This is where he brought me. There's a river, and, 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 I, and my peace is here, and my food's here, and da-da-da-da. What happens when the winter comes in and the grass dries up and you have no more nourishment? What happens when it doesn't look the same it looked last year, and then you're still trying to live in last year? This is what drives me nuts. People come to me and go, well, I remember back 30 years ago. Baby, it ain't 30 years ago. It's 2020. Can we embrace what God wants to do in this hour? Not embrace what he did 30 years ago. I'm glad you were there 30 years ago. But baby, do not get so stuck in the place that you were that you can't embrace what he has for you now. Well, I don't know if I like the worship. It's a little too loud for me. Get here, plugs. Oh, pastor, that's mean. I'm not trying to be mean. What I'm saying is, is that things change. Things shift. And I'm not, I like hymns, but I'm not the hymnal guy. I'm, I'm wild. I'm crazy. I stand on chairs. I scream a lot. I shout a lot. I get excited because I love God. Amen. Well, you're, you're not like my pastor. Well, where's your pastor? He died four years ago. We gonna crawl in the grave with him? Look, I'm just being real for a second because we're missing what's happening. We're missing the next outpouring. We're missing the great movement because we refuse to walk from where we've been to where he's calling us. Get, shake yourself, break the concrete off your feet and move. Yeah, God might have had you in a season, in a place, but do not live in a place of comparison to the next level of your life. The next car, you know, you always talk about what will be next with the next house, the next car, the next this, the next that. Let me tell you something. You ever notice the next doesn't come? You know why it doesn't come? Because you're not satisfied with what you got. And maybe the reason we're not satisfied with going to the next level or walking is because we didn't take the time to get what we could have gotten out of the place we were in. We got to be able to walk. He says, yeah, though I walk through what? Oh, the valley. You didn't just stop right there. I don't even go any further. Through the what? No, God, Pastor, God, God came into my life so I don't have to walk in the valley. Now, there's no going to be no, I, I'm a no valley believer. 
There are no valleys in my existence. Nope, 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 nope. That's not what the Bible says. I am done with valleys. Jesus came into my life. That's not what he says. He says, even though I walk through the valleys, through the valleys, this is the great thing about God. He doesn't promise there will be no valleys. He says there's a way through it. In other words, don't pitch a tent. Don't build a house. Don't claim your stake there. Go through it. The valley is there to strengthen you, not to kill you. You sang just a few minutes ago, for from you are all things, and to you are all things, and you deserve the glory, except when we're in the valley. Nope, when I'm in a valley, God, now you failed me. Where have thou gone, O God, my strength and my redeemer? God says, no, I'm allowing you to go through the valley because it is through the valley that I show you how valuable the mountaintop is. Listen, if you never had a valley experience, the mountaintop doesn't matter to you. Because if you let all you, like, you, ever, you, ever said, you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth. You ever heard that statement? Those don't people drive you nuts? Oh, you never had a bad day in your life. You don't know that, but we like to assume that we know those things. But, but it, it's like people who, oh, well, I've never, I've never sinned. God, I wish you would. <laughs> Pastor, why would you say it? Because now you understand why I love God so much. I'm not saying that I, I'm encouraging you to go sin and test it out. What I'm saying is, is those people that come to me and go, I, I've, never, I've, never, I've never argued with my wife. I have a perfect marriage. First of all, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Or you're just a mute, one of the two. Or deaf. Truth be told, at the end of the day, my wife and I have argued. Yeah, welcome to our marriage. Pastor, you, you and your wife, have, you've argued? That's not... That's not godly. No, what would be ungodly is that when I'm done arguing, I have to be right and I don't care about the marriage that God gave me. That would be ungodly. The ungodly thing is me staying in pain with my wife rather than bringing healing to my marriage. That would be ungodly. But arguments aren't ungodly. Some, most of us in this room have argued with God. Now, if you want to talk ungodly, that's ungodly. But the truth at the end of the day is, is that he says, listen, I, listen, you're going to walk. You're going to move from the place that I've, I've brought you to bring healing to you. Now you're going to walk. And while you're walking, you're going to hit a valley. Welcome to the valley. I'm not talking about California. Welcome to the valley. Okay. I, you're going to go through moments. But can I help you with something? You know what determines how the moment happens? You. You determine it. Yay. Though I walk through the valley. What do you do in your valleys? What, what do you say in your valleys? Better yet, what do you worship in your valleys? Because what you worship in the valley determines where you end up after the valley. Because let's be honest. When, when we're going through something, we have a tendency to worship our own pain. We have a tendency to worship our own struggles because we spend more time talking about that than the one that should supposedly be leading us. We spend more time talking about the pain and the problem and the struggle and the disaster and the this and the that that we forget that there's a God that came to deliver set free. And we go, God, where have you gone? And God says, I didn't go anywhere. You did. Your mind took you completely away from my purpose. Yea, though I walk through the valley. The valley of what? The shadow of death. The what? Didn't the Bible say that when Jesus died on the cross that death had lost its sting? I think that's what your word says, right? That's what your Bible says? That, that is what your Bible says. I'm going to hold on to that. That is actually what your Bible says. That when Jesus died on the cross, death, he defeated death, hell, and the grave, and death lost its sting. And he says this. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the shadow of death. Can I, can I just say this to you? Please stop running from things that are just shadows. Which brings me to a place that death, because of Jesus, watch. Death has no power over me. Death has no power. I've told you this, and I'm not going to go into this long, but I've told you this. For years, I struggled with extreme anxiety when it came to dying. The thought of death, the thought of me not existing, the thought of me moving on from this life into the heavens, the, the thought of going into eternity scared me, and this is why it did. I didn't want to leave. I, I didn't want to leave. I don't want to leave. I still don't want to leave. I like being here. People are like, no, I want to go to heaven. No, I like being here. 
I like my kids. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love this church. I love doing what I do. I want to stay. But there were times where when my heart was grafting funky that I would get lost in that and death would start to go from a shadow to a real person. And he says, Brian, you're walking through this valley and because you've pitched a tent, the shadows of death have become real people in your life. And now you are spending your time running from what once used to be a shadow to now what has become a pure existence in your life. Let me help you with something. They only stay shadows because you keep moving. If you stand still, they become real in your existence. And the reason they become shadows is or the reason they stay shadows if you keep moving because as you move, the sun moves with you. But the moment you stand still, the sun rises and the sun sets and you're left with the own thoughts of your imagination, which create a very real existence in your life. If you do not keep moving, everything that you've been fearful of will now take residence. Because if the sun is continuing to move with me, you'll catch the S-O-N, is continuing to move with me then I will understand that what once was in front of me now goes behind me. I'm trying to help you get this one this morning. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what does he say I'll do? I will fear no evil. For God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. Didn't we do that one already? He said, I'll fear no evil. No evil. What about the news? What about this? What about the coronavirus? Ah! Shut up. I'm going to be honest with you. I think that's how God talks sometimes. At least that's how he talks to me. Brian, he doesn't go to Brian and go, Brian, be thou quiet. (laughs) Silence thy lips. God's like, hey, Brian, shut up. That is enough. Cut it out. Because you cannot declare by faith the God that you serve and then declare fear over situations that you can't control. Shut up. I will fear no evil. I'll fear it for you are what? Mm. So would that bear to make the statement that if I start to fear evil, it's because I have somewhere along the line rejected God from my existence? I, I wrote this. I said, fear is the absence of faith, and without faith it's impossible to please God, but fear only comes when God is absent. Just trying to help you. Fear in your existence comes when there's an absence of God. So you, how do you bind fear? Put God in. God, I need you, my shepherd. Mm, I need you, like right here. I need you to be my shepherd. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me, for you are with me. And then he goes on in, verse, in, verse, in, in that last part of verse 4. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your employees, they comfort me. That's not what he means. Because a rod and a staff are two different things. If you've ever seen a sheep's staff, it's a long stick with a hook on the end. That stick was meant for two purposes. One for rescuing sheep to save them from despair. And the other one was to beat off the enemy that was coming to attack them. And he says in this, he goes in through all of this. I know the enemy's still out there. I love this because he doesn't get into this weird place of nothing's ever going to happen to me. He didn't set himself up for failure. He says, listen, I know things are going to happen, but through all of this, God, you've got me. And he says, your rod and your staff, they cover me. So let me help you with another one. If you can't see the shepherd, you can't see the staff. The wolves are coming. They're coming. Because the moment you are outside of the umbrella of protection, the enemy knows you are now vulnerable to his attack. Baby, you better be close to the shepherd. Do you understand the enemy is looking to pick you off? The Bible says the enemy goes to and fro throughout the earth, seeking whom he may devour. I love that scripture because this is what it says. May, it's a permissive word. Permission is only granted when you are absent from the Father. Because as long as you're close to the shepherd, the shepherd sees the wolf before you see the wolf and goes, hold up, time out. Mm -mm, Not today. Not today. I've got a job here. The attacks in my life, the attacks. I'm not talking about the things I go through. I'm talking about the attacks. There's the difference. Can I get an amen from somebody? So I said, your heart thing was an attack from the devil. No, it wasn't. It was some kind of weird defect in my heart that they wouldn't fix. Praise God for doctors. It wasn't the devil attack. I don't give that much authority to the enemy. He doesn't get that right in my life. He doesn't get that right to say, look what I did. You, don't, you didn't do a doggone thing because I serve a God that's bigger than you. 
So, but there are things that I've walked through in my life. And the only reason I walked through them, my homelessness, my four times in jail, all the things that struggled, that was because I walked from God. I left God, and I was raised in the church. I knew who God was. I know what God could do, but I still ran. And the further I got away, the worse it got. And then God says, come here. Come here, because I'm going to get you into a place where you have nothing else to do but listen to me. And he did. He stuck me in a jail cell and said, now we can talk. And it was in that place where I finally just said, you know what, God, you can be my shepherd. I'm tired of trying to live this one on my own. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Oh, he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake, for his glory. And yea, though I walk through those nasty valleys and the shadows of death appear, I will not fear evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They protect me. They bring provision in my life. And then he goes on in verse 5, and he says this. Ready? Gets even better. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and every vindictive person in this room goes, Amen. I told you he was going to get them. I've been just waiting for God. I've been waiting for this whole part of this scripture. I knew this verse was coming, and this is what I've been waiting for. Those people that did me wrong, he's going to get them. Nope, that's not what it means. He says he prepares a table before me. Before me, not for me. Mm -hmm. Before me. In the presence of my enemies. Do you want to know why? Because his whole mission in this life is to get your enemies at the table that he set for you. Your life is built so that others might be saved, not so that you might receive all the glory. I learned this, and this was a hard lesson for me to learn. The ones that had hurt me were the ones God called me to reach out to. Pastor, I can't do that. You don't understand. I can't, I, I can't do that. I, I just can't. You don't understand the pain I went through. I, I might not understand the pain you went through, but I understand the God who can deliver you from the pain you went through. And if you'll allow him to set you free from the pain you went through, you'll find out that you have enough grace in you to love those who came against you. And so he says, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In other words, he sets a table, puts you at the table, and then invites your enemies to sit at the table with you. Not so that he can serve you first, but so that you might tell the stories of the goodness of God in your life. And then they might want what you have. Because his whole plan and purpose is to build the kingdom, not to build you. Well, he needs to vindicate me. He needs to show that I am his child. No, you're not. You're his sheep. He only had one child, and that was Jesus. And Jesus was the bridge between God and man. When is it that we started taking out Jesus' responsibility between God and man because somebody did us wrong? So what we start doing is saying, well, Jesus can save me, but he can't save him. And Jesus says, and God says, no, I, I'm preparing a table, Brian. And at that table, I'm going to put your dads, and I'm going to put people who've talked about you, and I'm going to put people who've come against you, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to sit there and love them. But, but God, but God, but God, Brian, if my grace is sufficient and my mercies are new every morning, what's about to come out of your mouth should not even creep to the tip of your lips. Because what you want to tell me is that, God, you don't understand. But here's what the fact is. If you can tell me I don't understand, then you have never let me deliver you from those things. See, he gets to all this stuff, and then he brings you to the table. He didn't bring you to the table first. He had to lead you beside still waters, restore your soul. He had to do all these things, and you had to create this greater piece of you. Then he had to tell you, listen, there's going to be valleys. There's going to be people that come against you. There's going to be situations, but don't freak out. They're not going to kill you. Just walk through it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of death, I'll fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I look, I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to do all these things. And now that you know that I do all of these things, it was for one purpose, souls. One purpose, that those that are far from God might find God through you. That they might understand that I'm not a God who quits. And that they might have said things, but they will see the goodness of God in the land of the living through you. And then they will want what you have. Pastor, I can't forgive these people. I can't let them go. Maybe that's what's holding you back from walking through the valley. Rod and your staff, they come from you. Prepare a table for me in the presence of the enemy. 
He goes on and says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. In other words, now that, now that, Sister and I sits on the front row this morning. And I didn't know this day would ever happen. Because for years I thought I lost my brother. And the church, the church hurt him. through everything. The one thing that God told me to do with my brother, always, don't fill his seat at the table, just wait. I'll bring him home when I'm ready. And my brother was talking to me the day, a couple, a couple weeks back, and he said, bro, thank you for not pushing because I'm a preacher. I could be like, bro, you get your life right. You've had enough of this foolishness. Like, stop this, man. It's time, it's time to give your heart to God. Let's do this thing the right thing. You're the one who, I could have done all that. But you know what God told me? He said, just sit at the table. I'll bring him. Can I tell you this? In the last six months, I've had some of the greatest meals with my brother. And I'm 42. And my brother got stories. My brother and I got stories for days. Things we shouldn't have done, things we did do. Amen. Way more things we should not have done. And my mom's in the room, so I can't tell all the stories. There's still some things that are secret, amen. But watch this. Watch. When he sat down at the table and he said, bro, I got to tell you what God's doing in my life. This scripture, you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. I'm satisfied. Satisfaction doesn't come from watching people fall. Satisfaction comes from watching people get healed. Even when you don't understand, even when you want to put your mark on it, God says, listen, you don't have control. I do. Sit down, hang out, and watch me move. The anointing. He said, you anoint my head with oil. Y'all think, oh, he's got a greater anointing. No, it is something that covers you. And he says, my cup runs over with what? With joy. And my brother was never my enemy, but I had to use this in this moment because I never thought, I, for at moments of my life, I thought he'll never sit at the table again. God, I don't know what to do. I remember telling my wife at moments, I said, you know, I, 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 I get on the phone and, and I so bad want to talk about the move of God, but I, I know that I can't say it right now because it'll throw him off and, and I don't want him to feel like I'm preaching at him, but I just want him to know what and experience again what I've been experiencing. God, God, please do something different in his life. And then he, he tells me, he's like, dude, I don't know what happened, but man, I got hit. He told me he said, I laid on the floor and just wept and cried because the presence of God just consumed me. And I did nothing because he does everything. He said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. I'm just saying this because he'll not only restore family, but he'll restore foes as well. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You ever read that? Does it, does it leap off the page like it does at me right now? That through all of these things, through the valleys, through the getting my life right, through learning how to walk in righteousness, to running, you know, getting away from the, the death becoming reality in my existence, through the table experience, he says, then all this, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Follow me. It didn't say lead me. It said it will come from behind me. The Bible says that you are 
blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed in your coming and in your going. Let me help you with something. The closer I am to the shepherd determines what follows me. Because if I'm holding to the shepherd like this, then all of his goodness is right there. His goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Two avenues to this last statement. I will dwell in the house of the Lord now, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord for eternity. If I allow God to be my shepherd, I can experience heaven on earth. So heaven is just a carry-on of the party that I got to live while I was here. Just a bigger level. It's like from going from sitting in the concert to going backstage. (laughs) It's like, wow. But it won't surprise me. I think there's so many believers that are going to get to heaven and be surprised. I don't want to get to heaven and be surprised. I want to get to heaven and be like... I, I, you know, this is this kind of way I see this. Well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the glory of the Lord. I, I, I believe all the scriptures, and I believe those things will be said when we arrive in heaven. But I don't want heaven to be surprised that I came. I don't want heaven to be surprised that I made it. <laughs> I didn't say God be surprised, I said heaven. I don't want family members or or friends to be up in heaven and go, man, we weren't sure about you, bro. We knew you back in the day. Like, woo. I don't want heaven to be surprised that I made it. So why don't I just live it here? (laughs) So that I can set as a precursor to what's going to take place when I finish. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord now. So that when I get there, I don't have to be shown around. He's already home. Surely, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Stop dwelling in the shacks of your pain and frustrations. Stop dwelling in the sheds of mishaps and failures. Dwell in the house of the Lord. Watch what he does in your life. Everybody stand with me. I told my brother, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I told my brother sometime this year, I'm going to fly him here and him and I are going to tag team preach on a Sunday morning. He's like, bro, I, I appreciate the offer. I mean, that's really, that's really honoring. Are you sure? Yeah. And here's why. There are seasons in my life that I don't understand. There are moments that I have to walk through that I don't understand. But I see this in every space that everything that God walks me through is not for me. It's for you. Not just you, but for the others that will come. Because everybody needs to know that God is still a restorer, a healer, a mender, a deliverer. You are not the judge and jury. You are just a member of the flock. Let him tend to his sheep. And you continue to love God and serve him. And watch what he does with your life can't wait for the day that we stand here and I'm sure him and I are going to cry promise you that'll happen we'll probably tell a lot of stories that hopefully my mom will not be here that Sunday amen she's like oh I'll be here (laughs) stories that my kids are probably going to go whoa dad but at the end of the day Everything that you're going through right now, I got to say this, I feel this so strong in my spirit. Everything that you're going through right now, count it all. Joy. Pastor, my body hurts. Count it all joy. Okay, okay, real quick. I know I got to stop. I got to stop. 
the other day, I was, I was at home. Since the surgery, my blood pressure has been all over the map. I can't get it to just stay fluidly. But they say it's kind of normal. It's going to take time. And my, if I told you my blood pressure numbers were like, Pastor, you should have gone to the hospital. I was in Walmart. How many of y'all know God can meet you in Walmart? Not because you found a sale, but because he can meet you in Walmart. And I'm walking down the aisle, and, and when I tell you, like, it makes you go confused, like, you have a moment, and things don't sit right. And I remember walking through going, God, this, this, I, ooh, I, ooh. And I turned on the corner. I was kind of back in the corner by the, by, by the medicines, just happened to be. And, uh, and I just, I'm, I'm remembering, I sat there, I just stood there in the corner for a second by the Advil, Tylenol, ibuprofen section. And I just said this, I said, I said, God, this isn't you. This has got to stop. God, I need you to take this away. I was a sheep who could have wandered into a place of panic. But I grabbed the shepherd. (laughs) And I let him become my peace and my joy and my rest. I didn't allow myself to fall out of righteousness because of fear. I didn't fear evil. I didn't fear the shadows of the death that could have become real because they say that you know, if your blood pressure doesn't get right, you're, you could have a stroke. Okay. Listen, Google your problem next time you think you're going to die. You're going to think you're going to die. My toe hurts. It's can't. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. Like, it's stupid. And so, so I'm, 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 and it just, and, I, and I'm realizing now while I'm preaching this message to you that I had a shepherd moment. You can get a shepherd moment in Walmart, Jack. You just got to grab him. Hey, God, I'm yours, you're mine. Help. I need your help. Watch what he does. And the truly good mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. And you shall dwell in the house of the Lord. Walmart became his house while I stood in that corner. Everything that God wants to do in your life can happen today. You don't have to wait for it to be over. It can happen right now. So with every head bowed and every eye closed in this room, no one looking around. If you need to look around, you might want to raise your hand in just a minute. You stand in this place say, Pastor, I need this. I need this right now. That's you. Raise your hand. It's high as go. Go quickly. Go quickly. I need this right now. I need this. This doesn't make you a failure. This doesn't make you a broken person. I need this word to become evident in my existence right now. I can't wait another minute. I'm not leaving this place till I get this. Maybe you're in this place, you say, Pastor, I don't even know God. But man, I need him. That's you, raise your hands. That's me, Pastor. I need God. The amazing thing is that God's not sitting up in heaven going, yeah, I told you so. The moment you raised your hands, whether the first question or the second question, heaven started rejoicing and singing. God started, I believe it, God started dancing around the throne room. Oh, my kids are getting it this morning. They're getting it. I've come for them, not just to be there, not just to be a God, but to be their God, their Father, to love them. If you raised your hands real quick, will you do me a favor? Come right to this altar for just a second. I'm only going to take a few minutes of your time. Don't, oh, Pastor, you got to call me. Yeah, you knew I was coming. Amen. Come on, come on. You can't live the way you've been living. You can't carry this stuff anymore. Come on, if you raised your hand, just come on, come on. This, this is a, this is a no pain zone up here. This is a healing place. This is the altar of God. This is a place where things are broken and all things become new. This is the place where I got saved more times than I cared to count on my hands. This is the place that he's calling us. Anybody else want to come? Maybe you're arguing with yourself right now. If you're arguing in your head, I should go, but I don't want to go, move. This is your moment. People ask me, Pastor, why do you do what you do? For this right here. This is what I live for. You want to know why? Because I'm about to plunder hell. We're about to plunder hell. Take back. Everyone that stands up here, you're about to get everything back. And the Bible says, a hundredfold. 
You stand at this altar right now. I don't need you to look at me. Here's what I need you to do. Right where you stand, put both hands up and surrender. I'm surrendering to this moment. Surrender right now. Maybe you didn't want to move out your chair. You can lift your hands right where you stand. God still sees you. He's still going to meet your need right now. Some of you got family members that are standing, but you've been praying for them. God's, God's faithful. The table's been set. The table's been set, and today they sit. You stand here and say, Pastor, I just need strength. I need this word to become real in my life. Father, I pray even now. That not that you would just become a shepherd, but you would become the shepherd. That they would consult you before every decision. And that you would lead and guide them in every situation. I declare peace to flow like a river right now, God. I declare healing to manifest in this moment right now, God. Heal the broken places. Hear the fearful places. Heal the worried places. And take them from the shed in the backyard into the house. I declare that the worst is behind. And the promises of God stand right before me. I speak to the crooked places and I command them to become straight. Bind the spirit of struggle. And I declare the Savior to live in their existence starting right now. For those that came because they need Jesus, Father, I pray that your loving embrace wraps so hard around them that they can't even take it. That they are not an orphan, that they're not abandoned, that they're not downtrodden or dismayed, but they are the righteousness of you. And that in this moment, because of this declaration, Father, you are rejoicing in heaven right now. Now look at me. You stand up here, you look at me real quick. I'm not telling you that the valley goes away. But shout in the valley. Worship in the valley. Your mountaintop is just around the corner. Don't get lost where you are. Keep your eyes to where he's calling you. The Bible declares to lift up your head, O ye gates. What's he speaking to your eyes? He says, lift up your head, O ye gates, and see who this king of glory is, the Lord God, strong and mighty. In other words, what he's saying is stop getting so caught up in what you think or what you see in the present and look to the future promise that I have for you. Don't tell God what the future looks like. Embrace what his future looks like. If I'd have told God what my future looks like, she wouldn't exist, my four kids wouldn't exist, and you wouldn't be in this room right now. But I came out of jail and said, whatever you want to do, God, I'll do it. I don't understand, but I'll do it. You can't control anything. Stop trying. Let it go. Let God lead. Let him shepherd you. Let him become your source. He will walk you right through this. I promise you, I'm living proof of it. Let him lead. And these things shall come to pass. Take the hand of the neighbor standing next to you all across this place. Somebody said to me the other week, said, Pastor, I hate going to your church. I said, really, why? They said, every time I go, I cry. My bad. But I'll tell you this really cool fact. Because I used to hate to cry. Somebody told me that there's a scientific reason why God created your tear ducts to run by your nose. There's a chemical endorphin that God places in your tears that when inhaled through the nostrils, it brings peace to your brain. A little science fact on a Sunday morning. I'm not Bill Nye the science guy, so calm down. The Bible says weeping may endure for a night. It doesn't say weeping doesn't exist. But he says through your weeping that joy comes. Don't ever be afraid to lose it in his presence. Because through letting that go, joy overtakes. It replaces what you've been holding on to. Why you got to play that, man? You're going to wreck me even worse now. Golly.
one of my favorite songs. You're going to go there? <sighs> don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Like you see, it keeps going. <laughs> Jerk. Do me a favor, close your eyes for just a second. That's what I should have titled this message. I surrender. Live this whole week in surrender. Watch what he does with your life. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll bless you. He'll bring you peace. He'll bring you joy. He'll walk you through the valley. He'll set a table. You'll see his goodness and mercy. God, it's a great scripture. Now go walk in it. It's as simple as that. Father, I thank you for what you've done in this house today. I thank you for every life in this room. I thank you for every promise, every blessing that stands in this room right now. Father, I pray. Wow, I feel the anointing of God right now. I pray, Father, that you would just move mightily in their lives. Father, I thank you for your peace, your joy. I thank you that we live for your glory's sake. 